Hey everybody, thanks for listening in today. I'm your host, Mythlorn, and this is the first podcast interview for Myth Rights. We're super excited to have today's guest with us, Vixie. Vixie is a veteran DM for D&D and an up-and-coming novelist. Welcome to our program. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, uh, good afternoon. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm known as Vixie, but uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter as Vixvox3. I'm also uh, known as Fiona through the World of Warcraft role-playing community. And you can also find me at uh, Patreon at Fiona's, uh, Fiona's Treasure Chest and Kofi at Kofi.com slash Vixvox. Fantastic. So D&D has been a big part of your life for a long time, uh, from what I can gather here. How long have you considered yourself a creative and what are your end goals for that creativity? Oh, geez. Um, if I wanted to say how long I considered myself creative, I'd say about six years. But technically, I've been doing it a lot longer. Um, the first stories I've written was a um, one paragraph long sequel to a story my dad read me at age four. And this is totally going <laughs> to this is totally going to age me. But um, um, the first story was a paragraph long thing I wrote on Lotus Works. <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. All right. So um, obviously that creativity has been a big part of your life um, and it's really important to you. Um, so how would you how would you say like you have legacy goals? Because everybody, you know, when they've got, they've got the creative side, right? And they, they want to see an end goal to that as a legacy they leave in the world when everything's said and done. Well, um, I think about how in middle school I had started collecting the Redwall novels, Brian Jakes, I believe it's Jakes, um, and how I still have a lot of those books in my uh, collection. I think about how I still have some of my first edition Legend of the Five Rings books, and I read those all the time. So uh, the legacy I'd like to leave is to create something maybe for role-playing, maybe a novel that is treasured by a reader for a long, long time, where they have that yellowed page, dog-eared in hell uh, book just hanging on their shelf. I think that's really great. And, uh, oh my gosh, I still have all the Redwall books. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? You and me both. It makes just creativity in your life and and having that that fantasy that role play that escape that experience of life inside life is just incredible and it can't really be replaced so i think that's a super admirable Mm -hmm. goal especially the fact that you don't just want to create a novel for yourself you want to give people the tools to bring their own reality into existence and i think that that really rocks so good on you. Um, do you have any projects on the go right now? Like anything in particular that you're working on? Uh, besides the Kofi account and the Patreon, um, I'm currently running a Pathfinder 2nd Edition campaign, uh, which is pretty good, I'll say. I'm enjoying it. And I'm also creating a um, um, one of the big projects that I have going into the new expansion for World of Warcraft is a kind of a journal travelogue for my main characters uh basically their experiences going through the expansion so four stories that it's going to be a big huge piece of writing when it's all said and done um but besides that just um i'm always working to improve myself as a writer and uh looking into getting into different genres um like i'd love to start writing a novel now 
yeah, novel writing is, is really kind of addictive in its own way. Um, even just the research for it can be a ton of fun. Um, before I got into novel writing and, you know, was kind of nudging out of the short story zone, um, one of the things that I really enjoyed was researching different genres. Mm -hmm. And I found so many things that I didn't even know was out there. Um, <laughs> and a lot of it was really cool. And I was like, oh, no, now I have to go read a whole bunch of books in the genre because I didn't even know it existed. Um, yeah. so I think, you know, fandom in general and especially like steampunk there for a while really expanded. I didn't know there was an entire, uh, steampunk section to fantasy novel writing. So I'm excited mm -hmm. now. Um, and I definitely have to pick a few more of those up. Yeah. And you know, you're not even wrong about that because, uh, when I first started getting into ghost writing, uh, mostly outlining, but sometimes actual writing, writing, um, I didn't even know that Amish romances were a thing, but I've written a lot of those um, uh, for uh, ghostwriting, so I can't share the details. But um, just there were so many romance and mystery genres that I didn't even know existed until I started. <laughs> My mom is totally into those. You just wait until I tell her that I interviewed someone that wrote them. <laughs> She's going to be very excited. She's going to pump me for all the details. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm in trouble now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Me too. What do you mean you read romance <laughs> novels? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Uh, one thing you wish you knew before embarking on your most recent creative project, what would it be? I wouldn't say my most recent, but um, the first novel that I self-published um, was written over the course of four months when I was in, in between jobs. So I needed something to do to, um, um, let's be real, keep sane while I was looking for work. Absolutely. And editors are and first readers are a godsend because if I had an editor or at least a first reader to read it before I published it, a lot of the extraneous details would have been cut. Um, I remember the first chapter had like five pages before it got to any kind of plot, you know, and it was just a guy driving to work. Editors are a godsend. <laughs> yeah, everybody needs that uh, don't do that guy, so to speak. Um, exactly. <laughs> you know, you can cut these 25 pages. Nobody really cares what they had for breakfast. Ugh. Um, so, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. for sure. Um, I actually, I love the brutality of my editors. Like, I'm, I'm partially incensed by it, and then the other part of me goes, yeah, but, you know, they're right, Kale. It's time. You need to cut Pretty those 15 much. pages and save yourself the embarrassment. Pretty much. It's, it's why I've been um, super open about my writing, um, again, through the Patreon, because um, when I know that people are watching, I'm a lot more careful about what I put in. So I will rewrite a section three or four times just to make sure that it f uh, flows real well, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, the other thing about having people get involved with your writing process is that it reminds everybody that, A, they're not alone in the writing process. Because it can be, the creative mm -hmm. process can be really alienating. Like, everybody's right there with you, but you feel very alone in it. And sometimes that's good and sometimes it's bad. Um, but I think that that's fantastic that you're letting people experience the editorial process with you. Um, you know, I had one friend tell me when every time I have a novel come out and usually the first edition, there's one or two things that got missed and I'll always post errata. And they said, well, why do you do that? Because that just means you're admitting you're not perfect. And I said, no writer is perfect. You have to understand you can always go back and change your manuscript, especially when you're self-published. 
Um, so That's true. In that vein, like, um, what advice would you give someone who wants to get into um, the creative scene, novel writing, and D and D? Like, how how would you suggest that they get started? Um, <laughs> this is going to sound the the least helpful advice ever, but get started because um, you you are not going to be at your best when you start D and D writing, uh, DMing as a player, whatever. Um, but when you get started, especially when you have a support group that will help you get through it, you'll get better over time and you'll find your niche. You'll find what you like. Um, as an example, I know that I've run into D&D groups where one player kept telling a player what the optional op uh, optimal options were and they were not having a good time. Let them make their own mistakes. And it's the same thing with writing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's actually really good advice because one of the biggest problems I encounter as a teacher and as a creative is people who say, gosh, I wish I could be good at this thing. And they're already actually mm -hmm. pretty good, but they weren't instantly good at it. So they just give up and don't try. And, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you just got to suck at something for a while. <laughs> you know, as long as you're crappy, but happy, right? You know, it <laughs> is true. And that's where you learn. So like, you're not even... You know, mom always used to repeat the old adage that basically it doesn't matter how many times you fail because there's really no such thing as failure. You either learn or you know what not to do again next time and you succeed because like there, there's true. just there's no wrong. There's no failing, you know, like you either do really well and then there's still more to learn or you make a mistake, but that's OK because you learn something from it. Um, she was talking about quilting. That's like her favorite hobby in the whole world is quilting. And she said, the first quilts I made, some of them I screwed up so bad that the only thing I really took away from it was I will never make that mistake again because, oh, wow, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. And yeah, I can't math at all. And I, I saw some of the math she does for those quilts. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this qualifies as rocket science. But um, <laughs> anyway, enough about quilting. Um <laughs> So, well, uh, real quick, though, well, sure. um, it's funny that you mentioned teaching because I actually was a teacher myself as well. And one of the things I always told my students and is that I don't care if you agree with me. Um, I want you to tell me why you believe the way you do, because you uh, when you can express yourself and when you're willing to uh, make a statement, you even if you don't change my mind, you might expose me to a new way of looking at things. And that's why I feel it's so important for you, for people to just, if you want to write, if you want to D&D, if you want to DM, just do it because you might come across something new or you might expose someone to something new and that's great. I think that that's some really, really awesome advice. See, teachers have the best advice, don't they? Uh, yeah, they do. They do. So speaking of teaching, it seems like you have a lot of interaction with people and a lot of practice, um, letting people make their own mistakes and doing their own stuff. So that shows you've got a lot of experience. You see, you had a two-year fourth edition D&D campaign. What was that like for you? That's really impressive. Okay, so first let me go ahead and say it. Yes, fourth edition was really, really not the best edition. Okay. <laughs> um, I know. I know. 
Um, there are some things that I do like from fourth edition that I carried forward. Like um, I absolutely love the minion rules and I like skill challenges, but spending three hours to fight goblins is not fun. That said, um, I enjoyed it. It was exciting because uh, um, this was a setting that before the campaign even started, I was slowly detailing and writing on for about a year and a half, two years beforehand. So I knew the politics. I knew the big names of the setting. So it's like, it's like um, if I was one of the Forgotten Realms writers or the Dragon Riders of Pern writers, and I created a D and D campaign based on something on my baby for two years. Um, it was just this really huge, exciting opportunity. That's amazing. It's you went levels 1 to 30 what inspired a campaign that has that kind of span i mean that's some serious longevity there well uh the initial idea um <laughs> and it's super unfortunate in today's climate but the original idea was uh it was called the world of Sia, named after one of my friends from everquest 2. um basically it was a single continent that um, supposedly in ancient lore sacrificed the rest of the planet to protect itself from a disease that was being spread by beholders. And, but there was one single focal point in this continent um, in the center that had a weak barrier. So beholders would keep popping up and spreading the disease. So they had to form a city watch basically around this entire city. Um, and but it, the, the catch of the setting was that it wasn't that they sacrificed the rest of the planet it's that the rest of the planet sacrificed them and sent them off to the astral sea like not you deal with the disease we don't want it so the campaign was basically trying to reunite the planes deal with the disease and basically like rewrite history and the players are really enthused really excited about the concept and so we stuck through from level one to 30 through fourth edition's nonsense <laughs> wow so it looks like you you kind of all got started together and had this tremendous journey um other than telling uh young and inspiring dms out there to let their players make their own mistakes and have their own experience what other advice would you potentially give um Never feel like you never feel married to your ideas. And what I mean by that is um, if you have an NPC who's supposed to be this real big driving force and your players don't care about them, cut them. G uh, give the role to someone else. Because ultimately, um, while yes, the DM has the right to have as much fun as the players do, the DM is ultimately there to entertain the players. You are the host. So if they're not feeling something, skip it and find, figure out what they are interested in. So um, that's, that's really good advice. What do you think was the hardest part of running that campaign and what was the best? So easily, <laughs> the answer to both are the same two characters, um, <laughs> Jasper the Mage and Peimei the Mage, uh, two of the players, um, because they were like, the biggest Sherlock Holmes Batman duo I have ever experienced in my life. If I thought of a plan like, okay, this is going to really trip them up. This is going to be really surprising. They will bring something up from like 12 sessions prior that I gave them and forgot about to solve the problem in an instant. 
So literally it became this cartoon nemesis thing where I would go to my session like, all right, I got those bastards this time. <laughs> and then I would come back home like, oh, they got me again, Gadget, next time. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love it. It's always amazing when things grow and change and your players and your characters have that kind of growth. And like, you think you've got it. You think you've got them cornered and you're like, there's no getting out of this. It's over now. And then, no, they think their way out of it. They MacGyver the whole thing. And you're just like, and this is why I do what I do. (laughs) Yeah, I love being surprised, which is why um, DMing is such a thrill for me because when you get when you get some really creative players that will surprise you every time it's such a thrill just saying all right how are you going to solve this problem so obviously you have your players who were brilliant i mean there's no way you're carrying a campaign that long without really awesome you know support system and your players um but like what other support systems do you have for that creativity and where do you harness that creativity from I'd say fellow DMs and fellow players in other campaigns. Um, admittedly, I didn't have that at the time because I pretty much stuck with the same group of players. But now, thanks to Discord and World of Warcraft and Twitter, I can talk to other DMs and other players to bounce ideas off of them, share war stories. And it's, it's a lot of fun, and they point out things that I might miss, and same thing I do for them. Awesome. So I just, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm still stuck on the fact that, like, you took a campaign for two years from 1 to 30. I don't know very many people who have done that. And, you know, I am I didn't play for very long. I was, like, early 90s, played a couple of games. But I've been surrounded my whole life by people who absolutely love D&D. And I, I don't know that many. So um, congrats on that again. And it looks like um, somebody else acknowledged how awesome that is because you've written for Knights of the Dinner Table magazine. That's a really exciting opportunity. Can you tell us a little bit about the experience? So, uh, KODT, uh, Nights at the Table, is a really funny magazine. It's probably the first D&D comic that I've read. Um, and if you like D&D or if you like uh, D&D tropes, I, it's a highly recommended read. Um, you can see more at kenzerco.com. Um, I believe that's the website. Yeah. Uh, but as far as that, um, I remember I was looking for some back issues because they had released an anthology. And I was looking at their website and I noticed, hey, they're taking submissions for articles. So I gave it a shot and they accepted some of my articles. So I wrote about, um, I want to say, ten to tw- uh, wrote for 10 to 12 different issues. Wow, 10 to 12 issues. Now, um, like... How exactly did you integrate your writing into what they did? Was that, um, were you writing articles specifically? Were you writing dialogue? How did you get involved in that? Mostly it was articles, um, adventure prompts, um, you know, um, magical item descriptions and DM advice pieces. So I didn't write many stories uh, for them, uh, but I tried, uh, especially with the magic items, I gave my magic items like small backstories so I could leverage that um, that uh, uh, background in storytelling. Fantastic. Um, what do you think was um, the article that you liked writing about best? Is it going to be like the adventure prompts or did you have something that was even more fun? 
Um, there were two articles that I remember liking the most that I still remember them to this day. Um, one of them was four clerics walk into a bar, basically a DM advice article about uh, what to do if you have a super lopsided party. Um, that one was based on like a little pet project that I've always wanted to do but never got the chance to, where everyone plays the same class, and we run a campaign with that. Um, the other article was a magic item description. Basically, it was like a uh, toy soldier that would um, that could be thrown on the ground. It would expand to like a um, uh, a uh, um, golem that would fight for you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> very, very neat. So, um, what was probably the biggest motivation when you were writing for Nights at the Dinner Table? Like, you have you have such great ideas, and they're really grounded, too, which I like. It's not just so ethereal that it doesn't always make sense. Like, you really have a great grasp, especially, like, when you're doing your item description. Um, what feeds that what's the motivation and inspiration is that the players or do you have real life just physical you know experiences where you're like you know i could do something else with that fork um a little bit of a a little bit of b um i like giving new things for my players to do like i remember when i used to run exalted um going to the trouble of taking all of the robot master abilities from Mega Man 2 and turning that into a martial arts style um, I'm sure if I look hard enough, I can find it, but I don't want to. <laughs> <Fair Fair laughs> um, but as far as real life goes, um, admittedly, one of the motivators for that is that my growing up, my household was very rigid. Um, coffee at this time of the day, dinner at this time of the day, lunch at this time of the day, da 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 da. I'm not a routine type person, so giving giving myself the opportunity to come up with something crazy and wild um, helps break me out of that that doldrum boredom shell so being not a routine person now I, i'm deeply curious because i know you have next kind of on your life goals the whole novel writing thing on your plate um and that you're really exploring it what do you have going as far as a writing routine for novel work so my routine right now, whenever I'm doing any kind of writing, is to put on some music, uh, usually lo-fi or whatever um, soundtrack is really catching my attention that day. Um, closing the door, put it, basically drowning out all my noise mm -hmm. and working at it. Um, sometimes taking a pause to uh, do something else just to refresh myself. Because I'll admit, since I'm not a, a very routine-based person, uh, sticking to a schedule can be hard, so that's something that I've worked very, very hard over the years to try to overcome. You know what? I think that's fair because, I mean, all creatives have to approach it from a way that works for them. Um, some people really like to set schedules. Others, like, just wilt when you, you know, present them with, you know, a schedule it, you must do between A and B, PM, 10,000 words, you know. Um, so... I think it's really exciting to see you digging into this this growth phase in your life and taking that creativity a step further into novel writing. Um, what genre do you think you're most excited to try your hand at? Um, fantasy and romance are the obvious ones, especially if you look at uh, the writing I do um, that I post on Twitter and Kofi. 
Um, but I've also been super interested in doing uh, mystery or noir. Okay. Like, um, I'm a huge, huge fan of detective fiction, I'll admit. Um, part of me would like to do science fiction, but I'll admit that the, uh, because I'm not uh, technically trained, um, I don't know technology enough to really do it justice. So it would be more science fantasy, really. You know, Star say, Wars rather than Star Trek. Yeah, I was going to say, or go the uh, the ever popular, apparently, steampunk route for that if you're doing a do noir. Um, that's true. That's always, that's always an option because my friend always used to joke that steampunk ran on the power of BS. I mean, steam. <laughs> So do you have any um, self-education processes for what you're undertaking? Like, I never want to sound like I'm saying, like, you have to go to college to be a writer because you don't. Um, but do you have any ways that you you really seek that knowledge? Do you, like, occasionally hit up free classes or just research on your own? I'd say um, there are lots of uh, classes, free ones included, that are available online. A lot of articles that you can read um, about DMing or writing or novels. Um, there are uh, quite a few that I uh, pay attention to. Um, let me see. I'm trying to remember. Um, it's not so much for novels, but I listen to Jordan McHale a lot for um, business writing since I'm basically trying to turn my writing into a business but um the basic point is figure out like what you um what you're interested in and make use of the the resources that you have because since we have uh the internet since we have um uh, um youtube uh there are a wealth of resources that you don't really have to pay a dime for to get you started um, professional classes do help as well. Uh, certain college courses can help as well, but, um, don't feel like you have to do something just to, uh, or better way to say that. Um, don't feel like you have to, uh, take any particular course, find the course that's best for you and stick to it. That's good advice. Um, have you done any research into or considered partaking? participating words today uh in NaNoWriMo honestly I've been doing NaNoWriMo NaNoWriMo however it's pronounced uh, yeah, for about years now <laughs> eh, eh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> but um I've actually been doing NaNoWriMo for about uh five or six years in fact the first novel I published was a NaNoWriMo project um the one that really needed an editor but let's move on um <laughs> I feel that um Besides that, um, this is actually the first year I didn't participate, and that's because, let's be real, gar uh, 2020 was a dumpster fire, so <laughs> we're just doing the best gently. we can. That's putting it very gently. Uh, but yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to hit you up because I need another nano buddy. I don't know if I'm going to drag it through this month. It ha might have to be next month just because this is always mm -hmm. the, the busiest time of year for me, um, especially as an illustrator. Like The work really comes in, which is good. But um, trying to balance writing two novels at the same time and a full-time job is a little hefty. Um, so I will, I find you very inspiring. I will like, I will check you out definitely. Um, I'd be happy to. Now I know you've mentioned uh, Brian Jakes, Brian Jacques. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm sure you've got it right. It's probably Brian Jakes. Um, 
I know he inspired you quite a lot, but is there any other published or self-published authors that really, like, uh, get you going? Because, like, I know you mentioned, like, the Pern series by Anne McCaffrey, and that was my big jam because, as you can tell, I love dragons, so, like, that was huge. <laughs> uh, well, when I was first starting out with writing, like, um, when I was really seriously starting to write in uh, middle school, I read a lot of Brian Jakes, uh, Tolkien, of course. Um, let me see who else. Um, the uh, um, the last uh, oh, what was it? The last Harold Mage series. Um, oh, I can't remember the author's name. Um, well, sorry, right. I, I you know I can't remember it either. So you're doing okay. So yeah, the last Harold a- Mage. Yeah, the last Harold Mage series. Um, I also read a lot of Mercedes Lackey. Um, yeah, and, Mercedes. Yeah, Mercedes Lackey and um, the Mercy Thompson series. But um, as far as like technical side of writing, um, I make it a point in January every year to read Stephen King's On Writing because it's it's a memoir and it's an advice book for writing and it's entertaining and it's good advice. Um, but I've recently started reading Naked Drunken Writing, which is, <laughs> yeah, I know it's, it's based around memoirs mostly, but it's really good writing uh, that expresses that you should get out of your shell and just do it. Like, um one of the things that i really liked about that was uh discussing like um finding a writing buddy and write something every day to each other so that way you are uh because that deadline that expectation of i gotta give some uh, i gotta give content to this person is really helpful yeah, I think that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, uh, when I was having more free time to write, uh, RP was a huge part of my day, even before I would uh, start working on my novels or any manuscripts I had out. Um, I would grab my RP buddy and make sure that they got a reply post because that just really motivated me and it kind of got the gears turning, got me into that mode of, okay, now we're going to write. And so that is absolutely fabulous advice. And um, I have not read that book by Stephen King, but it has been suggested to me. And I always, every time I listen to him talk, I always really find him inspiring as another writer. Um, so yeah, I'm going to actually have to pick that book up and give it a read. Um, yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> like it. And it's funny that you mentioned like RP posts. Um, that's something that I want to do better with because there are a lot of really creative writers in the RP community. Uh, both through World of Warcraft and through other uh, games and fandoms. And any storyline that I have with them, um, it's always so motivating to uh, um, be able to write and add to that storyline, that collective storytelling that we build. So if you have a writing buddy, I would definitely say uh, follow through with them. Do Even if it's just one post a day, do one post a day. I think that's that's really good advice um so last but not least at all um where do you see yourself in 10 years like where are your hopes and dreams for the future other than surviving 2020 because speaking of dumpster fires <laughs> okay so um the cheesy answer is to say uh, married to my girlfriend but um <laughs> uh as a writer 
what I hope to do is to um, have a few uh, good novels under my belt and maybe get back into writing for Knights of Dinner Table magazine uh, because I really enjoyed writing for them. Um, but overall, I just want to be known as a really positive and inspiring writer. I want people to look at me as an example of someone that not only creates good content, but also helps people become better themselves because that's really just awesome to do. It is, and it's some great goals. Um, you know, obviously bettering yourself is good, but then whenever somebody can look in and say, you know, if they can better themselves, I can too. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of magic in that. There's a lot of power in in the good in people, um, and very often we forget about that. It's something I try to nudge into my writing every so often um, because that's just a very underrated concept in life that there's still some good left in humanity but there is and um we have tremendous power as creators ourselves um and i think that that's overlooked so great goals um that is just absolutely fantastic to hear um so thank you for joining us today and sharing your experiencing your experiences with us but before you go um would you like to give our listeners one piece of inspirational advice like if you can tell a young novelist um a dungeon master any tabletop gamers if you could leave us with one thought what would that be i would love to and the first thought that comes to mind is never stop trying because even if you are not as good as this person, even if you're not as good as that person, even if you look at your follower count on Twitter and say, Oh, I don't have as much as I think I should, excuse me, as I think I should, then don't, don't stop. Keep going because you will continue to grow. You will continue to advance and you'll find your niche, your place. And your place is the best place for you. I think that that's really amazing. So never stop trying. I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm tempted to pin that to my wall. <laughs> so um, we very much appreciate your time today um, and our listeners. Uh, so we're going to encourage them to stay tuned for some more podcasts here at Myth Rights. And I just want to thank you again. This has been a tremendous experience for me. And I think you've been a lot of fun to interview. Um, and I think our, our listeners are really going to appreciate it, too. So thank you awesome. so much. And thank you for having me. And um, I, I am really I was really excited uh, to take part in this interview. And I'm hoping and looking forward to hearing more. So uh, keep up the great work. <laughs> Thanks so much.